Good morning. This is Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Cave Movahead. You may think of camping, hiking, biking, or skiing as leisure activities that boost your quality of life, but the infrastructure and jobs surrounding outdoor recreation are also a boon to the state's economy. From small food and lodging outfits to our largest ski areas, the outdoor economy is booming in our region, and though New Mexico is a little behind our neighboring states, we are on the same trail. Moreover, outdoor recreation activities are good for the body and soul. Studies show that exposure to the outdoors strengthens communities, attracts talented workers to our region, and boosts taxes to support other aspects of life in New Mexico. And while short escapes to the wilderness may be easier for some communities, there are ways for all of us to add outdoor time into our days. This morning, we'll talk with representatives from the state and city government charged with helping people access outdoor recreation. We'll also hear from the Association of Businesses that supports these kinds of activities. Think bike shops, fishing and outdoor outfitters, and even rainbow riders, hot air balloons. We'll also hear from the New Mexico Wildlife Federation on efforts to show kids in Albuquerque that they can enjoy the outdoors without leaving the city. Do you work in an outdoor industry, or are you interested in trying skiing or hiking but don't know where to start? Email letstalk at kunm.org or call in live at 505-277-5866. I always like to start with the data and the numbers to get a sense of the scale of what we're talking about on the show. Our first guest this morning on Zoom from Santa Fe is James Glover. He's the co-director of the New Mexico Outdoor Recreation Business Alliance. The group goes by the name Endeavor New Mexico. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Greatly appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, Let's start with that basic understanding of the scale of outdoor recreation. How big is it in the United States and in New Mexico? Well, we just topped the one trillion mark for the United States as an outdoor recreation economy in in, in its totality. And people don't really realize that number is huge dwarfing such industries as uh, oil and gas, which, you know, we hang our hat on here in New Mexico. So $1.1 trillion national industry for outdoor recreation. And then in the sense of New Mexico, $2.4 billion gross domestic product, which is 1.2% of our share of state GDP. Now, recent reports from the Bureau of Economic Analysis that you pointed me to and others are showing growth. Give us a sense of how the industry is growing in New Mexico. It, you know, it is it is growing, um, and we are, as you mentioned, a little bit behind uh, Arizona, Utah, Colorado. I was just at a conference in Phoenix last week with state directors from Colorado and Utah, and where we boast about twenty eight thousand jobs related to the outdoor recreation economy, uh, one hundred and thirty thousand jobs in Colorado, for instance. So we've got room to climb, but we are growing. And somebody like Carl, whose job it is every day to make that happen in the state of New Mexico, I'm sure can add a lot to that. Um, But we're pleased to see what we're seeing. So happened I had an executive committee meeting with my board members yesterday, and a couple of the board members who own outdoor recreation businesses are actually anticipating a little bit of a downturn in their respective businesses. One's a kayaking um, um, sales company, and the other one is a mountain bike company. And they they anticipate things dropping a little bit. There was a demand, pent-up demand that came out of COVID people bought a lot of um, items we had supply chain issues and so big suppliers weren't able to push the product to the to the vendors like the bike shop but now they've got a ton of bikes <laughs> discounts are being had so actually as a consumer it's probably a very good time to get a good deal on outdoor gear but it may impact our our businesses so we may see a little flat in 2024 um, because of the things that are happening right now and do you expect that region-wide or nationwide or is that specific to New Mexico I think that's nationwide. Um, I'm a mountain biker and I just saw that Santa Cruz is dropping the price of their mountain bikes by 25%, kind of unheard of. And so even the big national brands are probably feeling the impact of the outdoor recreation economy in in general. Okay. So in our state, what are some of the limitations or opportunities for improving outdoor rec? Well... (laughs) I think it's huge. I I cite this because I think it's an amazing statistic. But um, in 2004, before we really started to push our film industry, we had about 40 million in film production. 
Now, this last year, our film office said that we surpassed 855 million. And so it shows that when our state decides to really push a sector, it can make things happen. So I believe that we are, and, and all these people in the room, I'm sure in the in the interview right now will agree we're at that tipping point our state legislators are really doing a lot i have the opportunity to work with even the smallest communities in new mexico and all of them are paying attention to the opportunities associated with outdoor recreation so it's exciting to see that mayor city councilors commissioners are on board it's going to take a while that film industry number i talked about was a 20-year growth but we're going to get there we have the amenities that we can really um, exploit moving forward and what's what does that dedication look like? Is it something more? Is it investment? Is it uh, just proclaiming that this is what we do now? I think it's a combination because one, if you don't make outdoor recreation a priority as a community, it's not going to go anywhere. You also have a champion need a champion driving it. But there's now dollars available, and Carl can really get into that from the state outdoor recreation division. There's now dollars available, both from state and federal, that are helping to drive the development of infrastructure, getting our underserved kids outdoors, supporting the businesses in New Mexico. So it, it is that that tipping point, and I'm excited to see where we're going to be in a few years. And we're definitely catching up to the other states that um, neighbor us. Okay, well, Colorado and Utah, for instance, are destinations for outdoor adventure, while New Mexico maybe isn't quite at that same level. What are the benefits of being an outdoor destination? Uh, (laughs) Well, I'll cite this example. Um, I was at a coffee shop here in Santa Fe coming out with my cup of coffee in my hand, and I saw pickup truck with a couple of mountain bikes hanging off the back with Colorado plates. There's a couple of young guys there drinking their coffee. And I said, hey, guys, what's up? Oh, we're here to ride um, mountain biking. And I said, why are you here? You've got amazing trails in Colorado. And they turned to me and they said, hey, dude, they're crowded. And so what we have is the opportunity to get out in places. And I ride with a group of guys on the weekends here in Santa Fe. We might ride for a couple of hours, maybe 10, 12, 14 miles. We don't see a soul. And so I think one of the things that we have is is capacity. Of course, we have to deal with that growth. We don't want to be a Moab in the future, per se. But we have the opportunity to really take and leverage our resources throughout our state in every corner. Okay, so the the crowds are definitely maybe a downside to being the destination city. You know, I'm also thinking about traffic and other downsides of tourism, like commodification of culture. Um, maybe that's not quite so apparent in the outdoor industries. Um, how is the outdoor industry thinking about or planning for those sorts of detriments as we grow and expand in New Mexico? Well, I think... Um we're, we've been exposed to what might happen <laughs> when you have high demand like Moab and even Taos is starting to experience that. Um, and what's nice is that all of the state leaders, as well as the executive directors from um, Outdoor Business Alliances like mine, we actually met a couple of months ago in North Carolina at a conference to first time ever, 35 of us chatting about how do we address these issues. And so what's really happening from a national level is sharing of best practices. And that is sort of unheard of in other industries, but all of us, you know, we wear our flannel shirt, shirts, we drink uh, um, craft beers, we sit around and we discuss this, and there's a real strong effort to support each other's um, elements, even though we might be competitive trying to get a company to be in our state versus some other state, but we really are working together nationally and at the state level. Um, our partnership with the Outdoor Recreation Division is strong, and so it is it is just the time to be sort of identifying those issues. The other thing I wanted to quickly share is that there's a toolkit that's been created by the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, National Association of Associations, and they put together 15 best practices that they've identified that a community needs to follow to build a thriving outdoor recreation economy. So if a community is serious, and things that you're talking about, some of those issues with capacity and visitation issues and so forth, they're addressed in there, um, citing how one should follow um, procedures and process to make sure that as you build this economy, you're doing it the right way. Okay. I think I'd like to go ahead and introduce another guest, uh, someone we've already mentioned a couple times. Joining us on Zoom from Arroyo Hondo, just north of Taos, is Carl Colonius. He's the Outdoor Recreation Planner for the Outdoor Recreation Division of the state's Economic Development Department. Thanks for coming on the show today, Carl. 
My pleasure. Good to be here. Carl, I promise we'll switch to talking about some of the good work on uh, the state's doing soon, but I want to dig a little deeper here on whether there's a tension between growth for the sake of business development from our tourism uh, and growth in outdoor recreation for our own residents. Yeah, I think the, the idea that the outdoor recreation division approaches that question um, we really look at what communities are asking for. So we respond to uh, San Juan County, uh, Farmington, uh, Socorro, Las Cruces, Santa Fe, Taos, um, Cimarron. Different communities are going to have different inclinations. Um, we try to give them the exposure of the potential. Um, and then, you know, we, we support their uh, their vision um, in in reaching the goals that they've identified. Now, Jim, is there some kind of a balance or maybe even a codependent aspect to these seemingly opposing forces? I you know, I, I think a lot of New Mexicans don't want to be Colorado or Utah. Yeah, and, and Carl cited San Juan County, Farmington. You know, that community um, is a oil and gas town, or at least it was. <laughs> and about um, eight, nine years ago, they decided that they wanted to pursue the outdoor recreation economy because when you think about a place like Durango, you think an outdoor mecca, and sharing the same resources a mere 50 miles away is Farmington, but everybody thought just oil and gas. So they've created the Outdoor Recreation Industry Initiative, brought San Juan County, Aztec, um, Bloomfield, Farmington, and others together to talk collectively about how to move the needle the right way. And initially, people up in the San Juan area, hey, we're oil and gas, we don't need this, but Mayor Duckett and and the, the, the leaders up there are seeing that, hey, we basically earned our living by harnessing and leveraging the resources under the ground, which are finite. Why don't we do the same thing with the resources above the ground, our rivers, our mountains, and so forth, the Bistai wilderness? And so they're balancing it by trying to make sure the, the communities um, involved um, their partners are involved. They've even passed a tax in a fiscally conservative area to generate um, money to support the initiative as well. So they're doing it in the right way through their their convention and visitors bureau bringing people in, but they're also paying attention to the jobs and careers side. They took an old building down by the Animus River they that was just basically sitting there um, rusting away and converted that into a um, uh, incubator, if you will, for outdoor recreation businesses. And they now have two businesses in there, a rafting company started by two school teachers at Pedro Vista High School, as well as Bear Automotive, which is a company that's doing the chassis for OHVs and also guides tours out on the, the mesas. And so they're they're looking at the job creation side of it as well. So it's a balance between getting people to visit and getting people outdoors in our own community, but also making sure that there's job opportunities for the youth and the people that live in our community. And your organization, Endeavor New Mexico, chose to put your offices in Farmington. I suppose that was probably a calculated choice. Well, I'll actually tell you a little backstory on that. Um, I was a consultant working with Farmington to help build that initiative. And I pitched the idea, hey, Farmington, you're seeing the benefits of this. I think we need this throughout the state. So believe it or not, the city of Farmington paid my consultancy to do the behind the curtains work for a year and a half to create the foundational elements for the launch of Endeavor New Mexico, the state's outdoor recreation business alliance. So Farmington so believed in this initiative statewide that they funded us and then we uh, um, um, because of that, um, are now based in Farmington, New Mexico. Okay, I'm sorry to pause now, but we have to take a quick break. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Kave Movahead. We're taking your calls about outdoor recreation. Call us at 505-277-5866. We'll be right back. UNM Children's Hospital offers 40 different children's services, including emergency, neurology, cancer care, and behavioral health. Delivered by a pediatric care team dedicated entirely to New Mexico's children. UNM Health, proud to support KUNM. Plants of the Southwest supports KUNM, offering native and drought-tolerant plants and seeds for over 45 years. In Santa Fe at 3095 Agua Fria and in Albuquerque on 4th Street, two blocks north of Osuna. Plantsofthesouthwest.com. 
Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hello, I'm Trevi Johnson, the author of Fierce Consciousness. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about surviving tough challenges, both personal and planetary. Saturday mornings at 6 on KUNM. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Email comments to let's talk at KUNM.org. Uh, on next week's show, we'll check in with local journalists on the biggest and most interesting stories of 2023. Watch our webpage for details. Today, though, we're talking about outdoor recreation in New Mexico. We have Jim Glover, the co-director of Endeavor New Mexico, on Zoom with us. And we also have Carl Colonius, the outdoor rec planner from the New Mexico Outdoor Recreation Division. That's in the Economic Development Department. Carl, I want to circle back to you. Let's get to some of that good work the Outdoor Recreation Division is doing. What, what's your mission there? So our work is to sustainably grow the outdoor recreation economy in New Mexico. Um, and we do that through infrastructure development. Um, we do that through targeting disenfranchised communities to make sure that they see the opportunity uh, to play in the outdoors. Um, and we do that through branding. Um, we really want to identify the communities that are interested as a destination for outdoor recreation. Um, but really, I, I approach this work as community livability. The idea that we want communities to feel vital, to feel active. Um, you know, you you hear you hear the phrase um, "trails close to where people live and work" quite a lot. Um, that's something I, I wave that flag. Um, think about uh, you know you for the new year you you make a commitment to get healthy, to get in shape, um, and so you pay for that gym membership. Um, you know, a month goes by, your participation declines a little bit. We know that if we build trails that are, you know, kind of close to where people are, they're going to use those trails. Um, so it's like taking that gym to the people. Um, the I, yeah, we, we, we want to make sure that we have the appropriate infrastructure that's in scale with what our needs are. Um, and that our communities at large in New Mexico have the opportunity uh, and the availability to uh, to play in the outdoors safely. Okay, well, what kinds of projects are you working on or what, what have you finished that you can tell us about? So we've got um, a few different grant programs that we operationalize. Um, we have the uh, the Trail Plus program, uh, which are that's our largest grant program. That's about helping communities and regions plan recreational infrastructure and then actually build that out. Um, last fiscal year, we put $7 million into New Mexico communities for those programs. Um, that included everything from trail maintenance uh, in the Gila wilderness uh, to trail construction um, along an Arroyo in Santa Fe. Um, those those projects are are consistently in need. There's not a dedicated, um, consistent recreation infrastructure that uh, um, communities have access to. So that fund is 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 vital uh, to making sure that the the infrastructure that we want um, is built out and maintained well. We also have the Outdoor Equity Fund grant, which is a, an opportunity for communities to recruit um, non-traditional or disenfranchised populations, populations that might not see themselves um, in an outdoor recreation setting. Um, and we, we put about $3 million into those programs last year to schools and nonprofits uh, that work with young people to take them climbing, backpacking, skiing, um, uh, whitewater rafting, giving those kids the opportunity to participate in those programs, and then, you know, kind of turning that into a lifelong passion. And we're going to we hear also, from one of those recipients yeah. a little bit later on the show. We do have a guest uh, representing one of those programs. Um, I do want to, we have a couple callers. I want to go ahead and get one in. Zach from Albuquerque, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Yeah, Zach Parsons. I'm the Deputy Director for Recreation for the USDA Forest Service here in the southwestern region. 
And I hope everyone's excited about the recent storm we're getting this morning, uh, delivering some much-needed snow to northern New Mexico. And I hope everyone's planning to take advantage of the opportunity to get out over the holidays and snowshoe, cross-country, ski, or take some turns at our ski areas, many of which are operated under permit on National Forest Service lands. So just wanted to take a moment to recognize the importance of New Mexico public lands as the sustainable natural resource that supports our outdoor recreation economy and makes it possible. So we talked about some uh, economic numbers this uh, earlier on the call. I wanted to highlight New Mexico is number, number ninth uh, out of our 50 states in terms of public land. 47% of New Mexico is, is public land. And incidentally, we're 46th in pop, population density. So plenty of, plenty of room to roam out there and, and get out and enjoy your outdoors uh, a third of the state is federally managed with about 9.4 million acres uh, under Forest Service management. Uh, and finally, I just wanted to highlight a recent achievement on the Forest Service side. This week, we released our enchantment pass. That's uh, good at any New Mexico Forest Service site where a day use fee is collected. So it's a great alternative at $40, $40 for those who may be interested in maximizing your local, local opportunities for outdoor recreation may not want to invest the $80 for the interagency pass. Um, we're also encouraging volunteerism uh, to, and, and to make access more equitable. We're offering free passes to those folks who volunteer for just a total of, of 24 hours. And finally, they make a great stocking stuffer. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for calling. We appreciate that. Zach from the U.S. Forest Service. Um Carl, Zach talked a lot about public lands. I'm wondering, do most of your projects that are state-funded through the Outdoor Recreation Division, is it, is it mostly on public land or entirely on public land? It's not entirely on public lands. Um, we do a lot of programming, uh, obviously, with half of the state um, uh, uh, as, as public lands. Um, and recognizing... Uh, that federal land management agencies are not seeing the funding uh, that they need in order to work on their uh, um, on the land that they're responsible for. Um, we we know that the U.S. Forest Service, for example, has a a, a strategy called sustainable trails. Um, that means that each ranger district, each forest, um, is is looking for partners in the community to help them take care of to to steward. Their, their recreational assets, their trailheads, uh, their, their trails. Um, that strategy is an acknowledgement that they don't have the resources to manage those resources from within their own budgets. Um, so yeah, a lot of our dollars go to the partnership between a nonprofit or a user group or a municipality that has a relationship with public lands directly next to them. Now, Zach also started his call by acknowledging the snow and rain that many of us are seeing today. Uh, of course, we can't always count on that. Does climate change play into either project planning or what kinds of projects are pitched or funded? Yeah, we actually um, ask that in all of our proposals. How are they addressing um, sustainability? The idea that um, we want to create a more resilient um, landscape. Um, and I, I actually... Um, would suggest the idea that trails are a conservation mechanism. Uh, by focusing your impact on a trail that's designed well and built appropriately, um, that is going to minimize the impact of recreational users um, on the landscape. If you don't have the appropriate infrastructure that's in scale with your users, then you're going to see the development and propensity of users, you know, kind of social trails developing, um, trails that aren't professionally laid out, um, that maybe go up a, a slope that's too steep, um, that is constantly eroding, uh, degrading the watershed. Uh, that 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 is something uh, that we are actively moving away from. We know how to build trails. Um, and now we have the resources to help communities build, uh, you know, kind of those trails correctly. And, you know, we got an email from listener Bonnie in Taos who made that point exactly uh, since you basically uh, more or less said exactly what she's saying. We, I won't read it, but uh, thank you, Bonnie. She said she's been working to improve uh 
trails in the area for decades uh, around Taos. She doesn't feel like she's had enough community support to make the change that she hoped for. Um, Carl, you said community support really matters in these kinds of development projects. Uh, is there also input from on high or really does it come down to what the community wants? Well, we know that there are um, communities that are actively looking for more recreational opportunities. We need to balance that with what the impacts on the land are, um, with what the impacts on the cultural, uh, you know, kind of uh, assets that are uh, throughout New Mexico. Um, we don't want to create any um, damage through the development of uh, uh, of this work. Um, and so we look very carefully at that. Um, but as I, you know, going back to looking at a, appropriate design, the scale um, uh, of, of programming, um, and oftentimes people get nervous when they, they look at a proposal um, and they see all these lines uh, on a topo map um, and it, it, it makes them nervous. Um, but that usually is, uh, you know, kind of the idea that we want these projects to be phased out. We want to show the big picture. This is what the end result will be. That end result might be 20 years down the road. Um, trails are not constructed overnight. Okay, let's bring in another caller. We have Becky from Albuquerque on the line. Go ahead. Hi, um, I'm Becky, and I love this discussion. I think it's so important. We're at such a moment um, with the possibility of really uh, improving our stewardship of our amazing resources, not just on a personal, individual level, but on a big scale and simultaneously increasing some of our financial opportunities um, for economic growth in the recreational area as a state. So it's super exciting, and I hope we can grab that moment. One thing I'm noticing or I've been considering for some time is there's, there's, a, there's an inherent conflict that we have between the cattle industry and boating industry specifically um, because uh, while we have wild and scenic rivers like the Gila and the Chama that are really well-preserved and cared for and accessible to boaters, and the Rio Grande is accessible to boaters, because of the way our cattle industry works, which impacts you know ownership along our riparian areas, all our smaller waterways and our waterways that, that don't have wild and scenic designations are um, they, they just they have barbed wire running back and forth across them. They're fenced. The riparian areas and the riverbanks are owned through private ownership in so many cases. And this is really different than a lot of states that have, you know, their rivers and waterways accessible more to the public and not through private ownership. So I'm sure the world will come at me and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I understand it, is in most of our areas where there's any type of um, cattle industry, a lot of times the um, the property lines actually run along the, the river, actually in the, the bank of the river, like the property line right might be the, um, the riverbed. And then as a result, you know, you and your neighbor, the river is between you, but, you know, they need access to the water part of the time for their cattle. So they bring the, the fence across and then you want access to the water part of the time for your cattle. So you bring the fence across on the, on the next stretch of river. And so anyway, it creates a conflict. I think it's not great for our rivers to have um, cattle back and forth, uh, you know, doing their business in the waterway, but it's, okay. it's just a conflict. Okay. And I just wanted to bring that up. Thank you, Becky. Um, I do know this is an ongoing fight. Uh, the state attorney general recently filed lawsuit against some people, I believe in the Las Vegas area, Pecos river who were trying to restrict access to the public. Uh, Carl, is this an issue that's big? Is it going on statewide? River access and land access, it's probably its own conversation, I think, huh? Yeah, for, for sure. Um, and, you know, Becky illuminated the conflict between, um, uh, you know, folks interested in river access um, and, uh, you know, folks running cattle. Um, there's some pretty easy solutions. You know, think about that barbed wire that 
keeps cattle from leaving, uh, you know, kind of a, a specific area. Um, if that barbed wire were replaced with a, a cable across the river uh, that had PVC pipes hanging down, uh, the cattle are not going to move through that. Um, but a boater or a fisherman can swing through that without, you know, kind of dancing with barbed wire. Um, I don't know if there are any fly fishermen listening, but the idea of trying to wind your way through a barbed wire fence in the middle of moving water while you're carrying a fly rod um, or, you know, kind of even more hazardous with a fish on. Uh, so th there are some, uh, you know, kind of some advances that um, are out there. And it's a matter of moving, uh, you know, kind of judiciously through the projects and making sure that folks are aware that we don't want to undercut the cattle industry. Um, and the use of grazing on, on public lands is is time honored and recognized. Um, but it's not mutually exclusive to public access to those streams. OK, uh, I'd also like to suggest maybe, Becky, we can come back to this issue of land and water access uh, on a different show in the new year. I think it deserves an hour of conversation. Uh, for now, though, I'd like to continue the conversation of equity in access and accessibility to the outdoors. Uh, let's bring in a new guest. Joining by Zoom from Albuquerque is Sarah Candelaria. She is deputy director of the New Mexico Wildlife Federation and was a founder of their youth program called Nature Ninos. Thanks for joining us this morning, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I brought you in now that we're kind of talking about equity because I see the Nature Ninos program as one that can help kids get outdoors who might not otherwise because of where they live or how much money their family has. Um, tell us about the program. Yeah, so the program was founded in 2019, uh, right before COVID. And while a lot of organizations kind of came to a halt during the COVID era, we really dug into our communities. We listened to what families needed and wanted to be able to get time outside um, in a safe and productive way. And so um, fast forward, we now have a program that serves all the way from four years old up to 18 years old um, through our Tiny Trees program, some of our youngest kids to what we call our ITO, which is investigating the outdoors. And then we have strong partnerships with charter schools all across Albuquerque with expansion sites all over the state. Um, and we do, we focus on providing opportunities, holistic opportunities for marginalized youth and families to engage in the outdoors. And so when we're talking about marginalized, we're talking about marginalized in the sense that they don't have that exposure to being outside. Maybe they're nature nervous. Maybe they have um, too many things that are built into their little bodies or their parents' bodies that are telling them that it's scary to go outside. And we're finding that more and more. We're finding families in Albuquerque that live walking distance of the bosque that have never been um, because they're scared they might see a snake or they might see a spider. And so we're we're out there at that very base level ground foundation building relationships with families and youth at the core of a connection to the outdoors so that they can grow and have a relationship to go skiing and rafting and snowshoeing and all of these fun opportunities. But if they have no exposure to the outdoors, throwing them into a raft and taking them down the Chama is very, very scary. And so we're we're taking it back a few notches and making sure that, that they have a healthy, holistic relationship with the outdoors and creating that stewardship um, component as well as we engage with them. Sarah, I want to hear more about the program. Unfortunately, we have to pause for just a moment. Uh, sure. You are listening to Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Stay right there. We'll be right back. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, we continue our commemoration of 30 years of Latino USA, looking at the one subject that holds us all together, immigration, then and now. I don't know. I just thought that after 30 years of this, that people would realize that immigrants are not a threat to this country. That's next time on Latino USA. That's Latino USA, Monday mornings at 8 a.m. on KUNM. 
You have until December 31st to donate your car or truck and get a tax receipt for 2023. We'll arrange to pick it up, and even if it doesn't sell until January, you'll get a tax write-off for this year because you claimed the deduction in the year it was donated. Hurry! To get a tax deduction for this year, you need to call before December 31st to see if your car qualifies. The number to call is 888-KUNM-CAR. That's 888-586-6227. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Are you uncomfortable in the outdoors? Would you try something new like hiking or mountain biking if you had the right guidance? Call 505-277-5866 or email us at letstalk at KUNM.org. We're talking about outdoor recreation today, and I just introduced Sarah Candelaria, the... Uh, excuse me, Sarah Candelaria from the New Mexico Wildlife Federation. Um, we're talking about the program called Nature Ninos. Uh, I was lucky yesterday to talk to a 14-year-old eighth grader who's in the program. Tyler was on an outing with a Nature, Nino, Nature Ninos group when we talked on Zoom. So you'll hear some other people in the background. Here's just a couple minutes of that conversation. My name is Tyler Paisano Cotin. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was born and raised here ever since I was a baby. Which language was that? Karis. Your people came from one of the Pueblos then, right? Yeah. Laguna Pueblo. My village is Pawati. How long have you been doing stuff with Nature Ninos? For about two times for like two weeks. The other time I went fishing, I caught a fish there. The fish was pretty good. I learned how to gut it. The experience with Ninos is very fun and adventurous. Are these the kinds of things you would have done otherwise? I would have done it still, just not as much because I really don't go out as much. But Ninos has really made me go out a bit more. You might then go teach i don't know if you have brothers or sisters or your parents is it something you would go do with the family yeah it's, it's something i would go do with the family i would go teach my little brother my big brother even probably even my sister well my sister knows how to gut a fish my mom knows how to gut a fish i'll definitely teach my big brother and my little brother where are you today liam knight's pond it is very cold here but it's okay because i'm not wearing a jacket oh no are you going to be warm enough Oh, yeah, I'm warm enough. I'm okay. But the pond is frozen, but it's okay because someone just caught a fish. It's really fun. Have you guys talked about other kinds of activities or things that you might do besides fishing? If you couldn't get a fishing license, we would have gone hiking somewhere with Ninos. So it would switch from hiking to fishing to hiking to fishing. Then the program will end. And I guess you haven't been hiking yet then. No, they will do it next semester. It'll probably switch. So go from fishing for me, then it will go to hiking, which I both like equally. I, I think I would like fishing more because you get to go out in the wild and catch a, like an animal and then you eat it. Places that you wouldn't have gone otherwise? Yeah, I've never went to Liam Knight's Pond, actually. So this is the first time I ever went here. In town, right? You don't have to go very far for it. No, it's about a 25-minute drive from where I go to school. Did all this kind of happen through the school? This all happened through the school. Um, Native American Community Academy, or NACA. It's a charter school talking about Native history, Native literature, or your own language, like mine, like Karis language, Zuni language, Navajo, Lakota. The outdoor recreation, I'll even call it outdoor education. Do you feel like that is in line with the rest of the curriculum and the kinds of things they're teaching you? Oh, yeah, because for many years, us natives have always been outside hunting, fishing, finding our way to survive out for the wild and getting our lands taken. I'd say it helps complement the native culture very greatly. OK, thank you so much. It was really nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. That was eighth grader Tyler from the Native American Community Academy and Nature Ninos. We caught up with him on a field trip to Liam Knight's Pond on the north end of Albuquerque. Sarah, we heard that Tyler is very happy about the fishing opportunities. What other experiences have you seen kids have that was something new or wonderful to them? 
Yeah, that tends to be the hit for everyone is fishing. And lucky for me, that's my favorite thing to do, too. So um, anytime I can engage with the kids on their fishing opportunities, um, I am always there. But aside from that, he did mention that it's a 25 minute drive from him from his school. Um, and as we know, driving across to Albuquerque, that's about how much it takes. But what our goal here at Nature Ninos is not always to take the kids out to big places, right? We often do. We do take them hiking. We do take them fishing. But we also focus on opportunities that are close to their school that they have the opportunity to revisit without our staff. Um, we don't want this just to be a field trip opportunity. We really want the staff at the school and the kids that are they're engaging with to find the opportunity to go outside without us. And so oftentimes some of our field trips are within walking distance to a local park that's near a school. And um, while we're engaging with the youth, we're also doing a train the trainer with the educators as well so that they have that comfortable sense to be able to move a math lesson outside or take them out for a quick walk after lunch or any opportunity to have that connection to the outdoors in a more realistic and sustainable way is is a core foundation of our program. And have you seen other family members get involved in the outdoors after hearing about their kids' experiences? Yeah, so our programs definitely, although we focus on the youth, we do have a very heavy multi-generational um, component as well. So all programming that we provide does culminate in some type of opportunity for the families to come along as well. So we offer family day hikes for all of our charter school um, classes as well. So they can come together on a Saturday and we can get those parents outside as well. We know we can get the buy-in for the kids. They're they're st they still have that yearning to feel connected. They still want that. And it's often harder to keep that going if we don't get the buy-in from the parents too and or, or whatever uh, family dynamic that child comes from, right? So we want to make sure that we're engaging with the entire family to make sure it's a sustainable change in that family dynamic to spend more time outside. Okay. And we have a caller, I think, with a question that's kind of right along these lines. Catherine from Albuquerque. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yes, um, my name is Catherine, and I've hiked the mountains for a long time, and the question I have, I think it's wonderful to get people out of doors. If they appreciate nature, they fight for nature. But it, do any of these programs or do all of these programs have ways of training people to be good stewards of the land when they're out of doors? Because as I've hiked, I've seen people that don't seem to know anything about the leave no trace ethic. I've seen apple cores, I've seen banana peels, and I've seen orange peels left on trails as I've walked them. Uh, do people know, are you training people on what proper equipment they should take with them? Taking a water bottle up the La Luz isn't gonna help you if you encounter snow or rain starts falling. Um, I also am concerned about um, training people about who has the right-of-way when you're hiking or you're, or, or you're biking. Uh, too many times I've almost been knocked off a trail by a bicyclist who goes really fast because they don't consider the, fast that that, the fact that that trail is being shared by hikers. And finally, I'm also concerned about we get people out of doors, and that's people with dogs, and a lot of them, there's a lot of trails I see where people seem to think that their dogs, the trails are a dog park and they don't need to pick up their dog's fecal matter. Okay. Well, thank you for calling, Catherine. I think those are all valid complaints and concerns. Uh, Sarah, I'm wondering, are you teaching proper outdoor etiquette to the kids? Yeah, that's a really fabulous question. So all of our staff are trained in the seven leave no trace principles. And those are core foundations that we build our engagement with on our youth. So before we take any kids outside, we have at least two to three engagements with those students in their schools or um, in a more contained space if we're not working directly with a school. Um, and we're teaching all of those things. We're teaching the seven leave no trace principles. We're teaching trail etiquette. We're teaching um, opportunities for 
um, engagement in our communities as well, not just taking from nature, but also giving back to it, right? So we're always, always encouraging and we always provide our staff and kids with opportunities to collect trash when they're on the trails as well and leaving a space better than the way that we found it. Um, and so, yeah, those are, I mean, without getting too in-depth, those are things that we do teach. I work with a lot of other nonprofits that are active in the outdoor community and they're teaching them as well. I think the key issue is we have skipped a few generations we haven't really dove into how important this is and so we're kind of backtracking we're coming all the way back to this younger generation but we have a lot of catching up to do to really not only reach the younger generation but their parents and their parents as well who have kind of forgotten all of these things and so um i i really hope as we work towards this that we will start seeing a change it's just going to take a little bit and it just takes a lot of teamwork from all the outdoor rec um opportunities within our state to really hone in on those um, key elements. But that was a really great question. Okay, we are a little behind schedule and we still have another guest to introduce today. So I'm going to skip forward just a little bit, but I hope to come back to you some more, Sarah. Uh, I want to bring in our last guest this morning on Zoom from the city of Albuquerque. We have Parks and Recreation Director David Simon. He's been on the show several times. Thanks for coming back again, Dave. Uh, You have so much experience in recreation and conservation as the former director of New Mexico State Parks and formerly working with the National Parks Conservation Association and more. But Today, we'd like to hear about your efforts in Albuquerque. Uh, A lot of our discussion has been focused on recreation in the wilderness, but most of our listeners and most New Mexicans live in cities. What kinds of things is Albuquerque doing to encourage outdoor recreation? Right. Well, good morning, Kaveh, and to uh, your listeners. Yeah, as the largest community in the state, uh, you know, Albuquerque has a tremendously wide diversity of facilities and programs that take advantage of our outdoor recreation opportunities, as well as, you know, the city is uh, a major portal for visitors coming into the state. Certainly not the only way visitors come into New Mexico, but uh, with the largest airport, you know, we are uh, a major entry point uh, for for that element of visitation. So, you know, in Albuquerque, uh, I think we have so many programs that range from uh, are 30,000 acres of open space with you know dozens of miles of hiking and mountain biking trails and nature exploration opportunities, all the way to the outdoor recreation opportunities that are based on sports and you know and and uh, both individual and team related sports. And it's and it's also good to re- remember that a huge part of our outdoor recreation opportunity in our state is just connected to the incredible uh, four season climate that we have that allows us to participate in activities virtually year round, whether it be you know, a, uh, a nature-based activity like hiking or, uh, or just playing tennis, pickleball, uh, ri- cycling in all its various forms uh, and some of the other you know, kind of sports. So the, the city has huge outdoor recreation resources, but you know, we also have programs that uh, introduce people of all ages to nature and how to recreate both uh, wisely and responsibly. Uh, most of that information can be found in one way or the other on the city's website at cabq.gov uh, slash you know, parks and recreation. And you can find everything from opportunities for tennis and pickleball and mountain biking uh, all the way to uh, programs in our open space uh, division. Uh, and it's all it's all right there. So, you know, I just think we we got to remember that this is a huge part of and growing part of our economy, and and the city is doing things like we have mountain bike skills clinics where kids can learn how to ride responsibly and safely, and do that up at the Balloon Fiesta Park in our new mountain bike skills uh, um, education site, and then take those skills out into uh, other areas in the city and around the around the state. Uh, you know, we have family nature clubs, which introduce parents and children to nature and then build their outdoor skills. Uh, and our family nature club, you know, we have uh, the next one's coming up on Saturday, December 16th at 10 a.m. at our Open Space Visitor Center, which is a huge locus for uh, kind of outdoor activities. We lead hikes pretty much uh, almost every weekend. There's usually a guided hike of some kind, either from the Open Space Visitor Center or up in the foothills in the Elena Gallegos area, 
We have a, we have nature-based camps. Uh, we we're doing uh, first family campout programs where we literally will take people who have almost no experience in spending the night outdoors and introducing them to how to do that safely and enjoyably uh, with their family. I would I think parents should look for things like outdoor uh, ex explorer camps during the summers and during breaks. Uh, we have birding kits that are at every library. So you can actually go out and, and check out a backpack full of uh, kind of birding uh, equipment and information and learn to explore your own backyard. And frequently that's a, it's an entryway or a pathway for, for people to then get more interested in nature and take those interests out you know, to broader, wider uh, spots around our city. So there's so much opportunity out there uh, you know, part of this uh, economic outdoor recreation economy thing does uh, connect a lot to sports. And we've been uh, really successful building the outdoor recreation sports economy in, in Albuquerque. And just in the last two years, we've hosted three national USA cycling championships, bringing literally hundreds of elite riders into our city uh, to compete. And we even hosted an NCAA track championship. We're hosting more and more tournaments and things people are drawn to New Mexico for our outstanding climate, culture, and outdoor recreation opportunities. And we have uh, huge opportunities to grow and expose more people to it as we go. Well, Dave, there is a diverse population in Albuquerque with issues of access when it comes to public resources. How's the city working to ensure people from disadvantaged communities can enjoy the city's outdoor yeah. spaces? Well, we have an entire program. It's basically called uh, Neighborhood Open Space that's bringing a lot of the these programs into uh, neighborhoods and communities that may not have the direct physical accessibility to, to nature, to our open space network bring a lot of those programs directly into those neighborhoods through the community center programs, through nature festivals that we hold around the city on weekends uh, throughout the year. And uh, in general, uh, using all channels to get to parents and families. And then, you know, I think we just need to get the word out more about what opportunities there are uh, for people to access these programs through our Open Space Visitor Center and through some of other programming. But, you know, there's much, a great deal of work to do there, Kabe, on increasing equitable access to nature. And part of that relates to the work Sarah and others do to get to kids throughout their educational journey, you know, starting in pre-K all the way through their, uh, their high school, hopefully careers and beyond. And also connecting people physically to nature through in, improving gaps in our public transit system that can really help take people directly to the nature areas and open space network that we have immediately in the city and surrounding areas. Okay, we only have a couple minutes left, but I'm optimistic about time. We have one more caller on the line. Gabe, go ahead. Hi. Um, so I'm a former ski industry employee, and I worked in Colorado for about 10 years. Um, and in my time, I saw the places that I live become so expensive that the people who work there could no longer afford to stay um, if they wanted to do something like have a family. Um, so I'm curious what thoughts people are having around that issue in a place like New Mexico where, you know, homes are relatively expensive in places like certain areas of Albuquerque and Santa Fe and Taos where the access to specifically skiing is, you know, really that's where it's sort of centralized. So uh, are there thought processes going on and what mechanisms are people possibly looking at to kind of support those people who create that outdoor culture that we are going to try to commoditize here in Thank Mexico? You. Thank and you, Gabe. Let's go to Jim Glover, uh, the co-director of the Outdoor Recreation Business Association. We have about 20 seconds. Yeah, they're actually, it's on people's radar. I was going to toss it back to Carl because he might even be funding certain projects that are addressing that. Um, but it is a it is a concern. We know that certain places, uh, Jackson Hole, for instance, has just become a place where, where the workers can't afford it. So it is on everybody's radar. Specifically, don't have time to address all the things we're doing, but, but people are paying attention to okay, that. Okay, we need another hour as usual. We've reached the end of this show. Thanks to everyone who called or emailed us. And a big thank you to our guests, Jim Glover, Sarah Candelaria, Carl Colonius and Dave Simon. We'll have today's audio up on our website soon so you can share or listen again. You can also get the Let's Talk New Mexico podcast
podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Next week, we'll talk to some journalists from around the state about the most interesting and important news stories of 2023. Our engineer today is Marino Spencer. Mia Casas handled the phones and Megan Kamrick produced the show. I'm Kaveh Movahead for Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. Thank you.